0: All right. What's going on, everybody? It's your host, Eric Hess, accompanied by my lovely co host, Andrew. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, It's month end
1: close for all of you cube monkeys like me uh, in the finance and accounting world. So
0: uh, just trying to tread water, as I say. How are you, Eric? I'm doing great, man. It's been a busy year so far for me. It just keeps going on, and fingers crossed that it keeps that way. That's good for you. Yes.
1: But let's not leave our guests off the microphone. We hey, enjoy. I'm listening to you guys. That's all good. Don't <laughs> worry about it. We're joined by Dave Melinda today. Um, so let's just start out. Give yeah. the uh, audience you know, your 30 seconds, a couple minutes uh, elevator speech on who you are, where you came okay. from, what you do. Uh,
2: sure, absolutely. So I currently own a company called Positive Polarity, and we do business coaching, and so we help businesses that are struggling to grow on purpose, which is the name of my book, run into a ton of people that grow by mistake. And so I, you know, about seven years ago, jumped in as a coach and have invested a bunch of time and energy to find ways to help people grow on purpose. So that's, that's the 32nd deal. Anything more, and you know, have to stick around for the whole thing.
1: So that's right. So, yeah, keep listening. yes, exactly. Um, so, talk to you, so you jumped into coaching seven years ago. Yeah. What were you doing before that, and kind of what, where did you start in the world? Oh, my gosh. Let's go guess, all the way back. Oh, all the way back. Yeah. While I was
2: born, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, so
2: I actually, um, interesting, I started out at UWM after high school in uh, what was that early 80s and had no clue what I wanted to do. So, I don't know. I'm sure you guys knew exactly what you wanted to do, but I had no clue so i actually only lasted a little while in college and then i went into the sales world and just you know enjoy talking to people enjoy selling stuff so i uh started a company in 91 that sold construction products and then sold it in 2013 and we had 22 people on our team uh about 10 million in annual sales and so i took a lot of that information there and now applied
0: into my coaching world so so did you start the coaching thing right after yes right after yeah
2: so it was odd because i sold on a tuesday to my partner my business partner on a tuesday i remember it was like tuesday afternoon and i'm like oh my gosh what am i i got nothing to do right (laughs) i mean there's like wednesday morning what are you gonna do you know so um kind of scary but also pretty cool because you know after doing it for almost 25 years or so you you get connected pretty deep with people so it didn't take long for the phone to ring and then people start to say, hey, what are you doing? And, you know, I, and I'm like, I don't know. What do you need? Yeah. <laughs> you <know? laughs> I, mean, I mean, it was like anything. I'll do anything.com. You know? It was just kind of weird. So it just started that way. And then it's really evolved. You know, Most um, businesses have three main parts. They have the product or service that they provide. And then they have the team. And then they have the customer. So my focus is on the team and on the customer. So I don't really get involved much with the person because usually the people that I work with and that I come in contact with are really good at what they do, whatever their craft is, whatever their skill trade, right? They're really good at what they do. But if you ask them how to market their company, if you ask them about selling their, you know, how to sell, um, how to grow it, how to manage the people, all those pieces kind of, you know, all of a sudden throw up red flags, and that's where I jump in and help people out at that spot. So it's been a lot of fun.
1: Nice. What's yeah. the target market? Like? What's the sweet spot for you? Do you have you found like a good size company that where you find you've jumped in? And had yeah, a lot of that's a great question.
2: Usually it's a small to medium sized business. I mean, usually the owner's very active in the business. Mm-hmm. And again, they're very, you know, I look at people. Are you working in the business? Or are you working on the business? There's so many people head down, blinders on just working you know at it like for instance I have I I've been in the construction industry most of my life so I know that people in, in the like the 2000s probably before you guys were even born but you know right around there um, yeah the, it was like you business was so easy to come by you know a guy would build a house he'd be finished and there'd be two or three people waiting for him to build their next house 2008 comes along and building permits went down about 90%. So imagine your income down by 90% in like, not overnight, but it was pretty darn quick. So that's, you know, at that point, we realized that I, I realized that if, if I keep my customers in business, I'll stay in business. So I really focused on training and, and helping them. I mean, we used to do QuickBooks training, memory training, LinkedIn training, any training that would help a business stay afloat.
0: Memory training. Memory like training, personal like memory.
2: personal memory, it was, yeah, you know, like how many times do you forget the person's
0: name? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's right? probably More like oh my gosh, your own it's, like constant, it's like constant. You know? So
2: so, bad, yeah. so we were able to hook up with an awesome guy, and he connected us on you know some real solid ways to you know help with the memory. And so from two thousand eight to two thousand thirteen, when the economy was just horrible we actually grew our company by 47 percent based on the fact that if we keep you in business as my customer you're going to keep me in business right and so that really worked out well and at the end of 2012 ish somewhere in there when the uh recession was done then i said hey this has worked out really well we're going to keep going and my business partner said we're done with this education training thing and it was just so odd to me because it we grew when almost everybody else in our, in our, you know, world was contracting. They were reducing, you know, people, they were cutting back on everything possible and we kept on growing. So I made the conscious choice at that point to jump full-time into coaching. And it's just been, I just, I love coaching. I love speaking. I love doing this kind of stuff. It's just so much fun. So thanks for inviting me by the oh, way. Hey, thanks so, for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate absolutely. It. So,
1: didn't you find as well, probably with your customers, that they not only kept you in business because they would obviously keep purchasing from you, they Correct. were doing what they needed to do, but then they probably even talked to their other peers in their business too yeah, and so were like, hey, yeah. check these guys out. They're helping me out as much as we're helping them. Right. And that probably yep. a more
0: business Absolutely. too, I
2: imagine. And the big part of that was the connecting the dots, you know, like sitting, you know, like we would have we had a room literally in our facility that was just for training probably a little bit bigger than this it would hold 16 people comfortably well interestingly enough when the 16 people started to communicate with each other and they realized that they were you know um, allies to each other all of a sudden networking happened connecting the dots happened so i think that that's been one of the hardest things that something like linkedin Um, you know, Facebook, social media does is it really eliminates that need for a Mm face-to-face. So really, I, you know, I see success when you are able to sit across from somebody because in the sales world, we buy from people that we trust, you know? So you think about buying a car. If you don't trust the person, I mean, if you're walking down they, the street and somebody runs up to you out of breath and gives you a keys for 500 bucks. I mean, you're not taking it right. I mean, you don't, there's no trust there, Yeah. but yeah. Yeah. You know, um, in, in it's hard to trust somebody that you haven't literally spent any time with, you know? So that's the hard part about, social media this you know for me i'm in my 50s so in this generation now it's just you guys it's probably just normal to have you know to to have that connection electronically as opposed to face to face and so i'm just we grew up on face to face i mean i i was around before fax machine before. I mean, we had the Commodore 64 for a computer, the green screen. I mean, you know, there was no cell phones. I mean, there was none of that. Mm-hmm. You'd sell something and a contract, they'd say, okay, I want to order this. They would have to literally put the contract in the mail. And then two or three days later, it would show up, you know, mm-hmm. and here today you click a button and it's scanned in. It's, you know, sign, whatever, and yeah. it's on its way. So again, I just think there's that different chunk. So,
1: I don't know. How do you guys deal with that? I mean, I think. Well, so I'm 26. You're, you're 26 as well, right? Yeah. So I think we got that sweet spot where we didn't have technology as much as like, like probably people what five five to ten years younger than us, sure, just having okay. fully in their face, sure. Because I didn't grow, I didn't get a smartphone until I was what like senior year of high school, maybe a little less. Yeah, that's about to say. Yeah. Yeah right. Like if yeah. I think about it, like yeah, a true. true smartphone. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I think well, there was some of that in there, and I think you know to your point, like especially when it comes to if we're just going to stick in the business world, mm-hmm. right? And you're going to talk about buying things. Anybody that messages me on LinkedIn with like some, and we've talked about this before, but like obviously copy and pasted response sure. or message yeah. to me yeah. about yeah. some generic thing, I'm yeah. like, okay, very very rarely does it even warrant a response, much right. less will I even read it. Sure. Yeah. So I think there is some of that, but I think you can use some of it to create interesting meetings sure. like this. Sure. Absolutely. It all depends yeah. on how you, on how you leverage it. But right. yeah, I think to your point on there is something to be said about sales, but tell me how it's worked for you because you're the one out there actively selling something, which is your service at uh, social search. So it, how's that been?
0: Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's great because I wouldn't have a business without <laughs> <That's> that. true, <laughs> right. all of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's been a you know, blessing in the skies in that way. Yeah. Um, but, it really just goes back to being authentic. You know, so hmm. many people, like you just said you know, on LinkedIn or whatever it is on social media, they're just copy pasting or just friend, 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 yep. you know, spamming that way. Yep. It, it all comes down to that personal touch. You know, people right. do buy from people they trust yep. and that trust nowadays is harder than ever to earn. Absolutely. And you really, to me, it's been less about actually selling our company lately and more about branding ourselves, um, more about actually, helping people and actually teaching people sure. um, more, sure. I, I guess I don't really know the exact way to put this more like brand recognition versus sales this sure. is really what it's coming down sure. for us. And we switched one more thing on that. We yeah, kind of is. switched focuses. So like a tipping point for us was for the first year of us in business, I was cold calling a shit ton. Um, you know, it might've just been maybe doing it the wrong way, but we switched focuses to being helpful versus just trying to sell, putting all of our effort into building resources online, being able to give those away for free and that yeah. was like a big tip. Sure. Product.
1: Yeah. Awesome. I was also just going to say one thing, yeah. it also depends what you're buying. Cause oh, I literally sure, went on sure. Facebook marketplace like a month ago yeah. and bought something like 15 bucks. Oh yeah. Right. Ever eating the person, yeah, you know, for sure. So I think like totally different, Yeah, yeah there is something Absolutely. to be said about that, but when buying a car or like, especially in the business world, it's, yeah. it's very interesting. Especially when you kind of see what customers look for it. For I sure. I imagine you've yeah. seen every which way around it. Well, the funny
2: part is, think about, like, we were around before fax machines were actually like a thing. Mm-hmm. So when we, and they were like, when they first came out, they were like, I'm going to say two grand. I mean, it was just like a monumental purchase, but yeah. the, the it just made so much sense. So we bought a fax machine. The problem was none of our customers had a fax, <laughs> fax machine, so I was like sitting there doing nothing. So brilliant, what we did was we bought our customers fax machines. Mm-hmm. Now, number one, it just cemented the relationship, but number two, it showed them that, hey, we're really serious about this commitment to you. And that's what I think is unique is where you find today people that are making those types of advancements. And like you said, you know, investing time in your prospect. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many times that i been networking about, I don't know, if you, do you guys network much face-to-face? Yeah, um, you probably do more than
1: I do. I, I don't have a lot of time right now. So did
2: you ever have that where a guy or a girl walks up with like a half inch of business cards mm-hmm. and they're like, hey, this is me. Make sure you hand these all for me. And I had this, I'll never forget, a guy comes up to me and he gives me like a half inch of cards. I never met the guy before. And he's like, hey, my name is so-and-so, don't even remember who it was. And he's like, can you just hand these all for me? And I'm just like, gosh you could be like an ex-con you could be like wanted i have no clue what i'm getting myself into you know and so i'm like no i'm not gonna do that Forget you. i mean do it yourself you know and so it's it, there are some obviously really negative things in the networking world but from a business perspective we buy from people that we trust mm-hmm. and that's where again i that's what helped us in the '90s and 2000, or more in the 2000s, late 2000s, when the um, recession hit, was we were trusted, and then
0: we found ways to get that trust even deeper. Mm-hmm. So, right. so how um, did you continue that trust? Kind of when you know you recognized how big social media was, sure. LinkedIn was coming around, Facebook, all that. Yeah, we're saying like there's less of that face to face. So how right. did you guys kind of change? Your approach now. Yeah, no, it's a good
2: point. I mean, for me, I still am a, I have a, a service, a company that does my LinkedIn posting for me because I still see the value of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, the thing is, is that you have to really find people that understand that trust. And if they don't, to your point, 15 bucks on whatever on like Facebook, on Facebook, yeah. Facebook ad, whatever, um, it's fine. But the reality is, is if you're going to start purchasing on a regular basis, if you're going to start increasing your purchase amount, if you're going to start expecting or needing, you know, if you're a part of the cog where somebody's going to give you something and then you have to turn around and give that to somebody else, it's a whole different ballgame because now there's people trusting people. Um, Back a few years ago, my son ran um, in college and he ended up with – relay races and they spent more time on the relay team practicing their handoff than they did anything else Yep. so in business today if that handoff isn't seamless stuff starts to fall apart so you know that's where the trust comes in all I have to do is reach my arm back and there's the baton and if I have to wait for a split second if I have to look back it, the whole race is lost Right. so, so that's where I think business now I mean, I'm sure in your current day job, you got a ton of people waiting for you and you're waiting for people. I mean, you know, there's these things that just
1: happen. So if you don't trust the people around you, it ain't happening. Well, I think to that point, you brought up a really good point there and how like, even if you take like me, I'm a senior financial analyst within a large corporation. Yet, within an individual corporation, there are partners and individual people working together. Like Our HR department should be a partner for everybody else. Sure. Finance yeah. should be a partner for operational and vice versa. So if there are things that you don't trust getting from a different department, that then creates more work, either validating it or working yep. towards something else. Absolutely. Or if something is delayed, then it waits. Then you know, yep. another process gets delayed. Yeah, yeah. Down, down, down the domino chain. So that is an interesting thing, too, as you look um, within the operations of the company itself, much less just the... Um, outward uh, supply chain of one. Right. Um, I would like to peel back the curtain yeah, a little bit. for sure. What's kind of the biggest thing that you've seen CEOs make the mistake on or need the biggest or most coaching on? That's a
2: great point. Um, so my next book that I'm working on is is about business blind spots. Mm. Because there's a lot of people that don't know. You don't know what you don't know, right? Yep. I mean, if you have a blind spot, like when you're driving and you there's that spot where you can't see in your mirror, you can't tell there's a car there. I mean, partially it's not your fault, but obviously it is. But in a business, if you don't know what you don't know, that's usually what I see a lot of. And so my suggestion is usually I say, you know, to me, the best basketball player ever was Michael Jordan. Now, you agree? Oh, yeah. Right, good man. So, obviously, he didn't... have Giannis. Come on, guys. <laughs> he's not there yet. Give me a few years, right? We'll see, you know? If he's not a buck for next next then it's going to be all bets are off. Right? Okay. But, I mean, so, like, I just think about that, and I think about what in the world could a guy like Phil Jackson, an average basketball player at best, what could he possibly, what value could he add to Michael Jordan? Because I get that a lot. People are like, I don't need a coach. And I'm like, I'm not saying you need a coach. Somewhere in your life, though, who's helping you, you know, if Michael's got a glitch in his free throw, if Michael's missing on some little dribble, something, who's pointing that out in your business? I don't care who it is, but you need to have somebody that you can trust in your business. And usually CEOs, owners seem to be very guarded with that information. They don't want to go behind the curtain because they don't want you to see what's going on back there. And so that's why trust in coaching is so much greater. Because I mean, I rarely like on my website. There's no mention of clients. There's I don't tell people who I work with because a lot of times people don't want. You know, that's not that's somebody's business. And so um, the the CEOs tend to not necessarily walk in and say, "Hey, I struggle with." Sure. They're saying something's not right. I don't know exactly what it is. You know, I mean, Giannis struggles at the free throw line,
1: right? Mm -hmm. Yep.
2: Don't know why. Have no clue why. I'm not.
1: I'm not a mechanic. It doesn't have enough arc on his shot. Oh, there we go. All right.
2: Well, hey, I'm sure Giannis is listening to this. So you know, feel free to take that advice. Okay. Um, but the interesting part of that is, is when somebody is struggling, they're usually aware of it from a result. Because again, Giannis may not know what's going on, mm-hmm. but he just knows. I mean, it's like Wisconsin a couple years ago with Ethan Happ. I mean, oh my gosh, all they would do is follow Ethan app because the guy was like a 40% free throw shooter. I mean, that was like a brilliant idea. And so somebody needed to sit down with Ethan and say, hey, this is what's going on. Mm -hmm. Now, if the person that was doing that, if Ethan didn't trust them, that's not going to work. If they didn't trust Ethan, I mean, so that's where, again, most of the CEOs don't know what the issue is. Otherwise, they wouldn't need a coach, but they just know something's not. And that's really what we end up doing is kind of sitting with them, talking with them, analyzing what's going on. And usually, in a pretty short time, you can get a feel for kind of what's going on.
0: Nice. So, So there's something that I was looking up. Oh, yeah. Uh, Johan Window, I think that's what it's called. Johari Window. Okay. Have you ever heard of that? No. Okay. So, it's, we used to work with a coaching client. Oh, okay. Um, And she would talk about exactly what you were just talking about. Okay. People have problems that are known um, that, like, people know that oh, they don't sure. know. sure, yes, yes. You know, they know yep. people don't know, but then yep. the ones that neither know, and there's yep. like those hidden ones. Yeah, so yep. like, there's I'm like, it's a, a square, yep. right? Yes,
2: That now I know
0: what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. and that yep. totally reminded me of that. Yes. Um, and just like, if people don't know and you don't know, like that's really where you can use a coach to help. And, Correct. And you know, I totally agree with that. There's right. always going to be things that, you know, I don't know that I have problems with. Right. Maybe Andrew doesn't know that I do too, and right. you know, that's where you come in. Yeah, and
2: that's, and so, you know what, and it was funny because I was just at UW...
0: Now I got to think
2: of what it's called UWM, the Waukesha, the Waukesha, the campus. So UWM bought the Waukesha campus out west. So I was at UWM oh, a, yeah, I know you're Waukesha about. campus today, speaking to the students about some of this stuff And we were talking about, uh, self-awareness and how there are certain things you just don't know, mm-hmm. but you know what in business, if you tell a cop, Hey, and I've done this. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I didn't know I was going that fast. He didn't care. It was like, oh my gosh, okay, don't worry about it, Dave. You know, just just be more cognizant. You know, yeah. it was like I remember that I said this to one of the cops once. I think I got three speeding tickets in forty years of driving or whatever. But I I remember saying that, and they're like, oh, so you have unattended driving? You want me to add that to your list? I mean, they're making it worse, you know. And it was just like, no, no, that's not what I meant. So it it, it is something that if you don't understand. Um, your what's going on around you, mm-hmm. you're gonna struggle in business. And from a self-awareness perspective, the, the statistic I found was that they, they surveyed people and 90% of people, no, 95% of people thought they were self-aware, but actually it was only 15% that really were. Mm-hmm. So that's that's in business, that's huge.
0: That's interesting. I wonder how much of that like, I'm sure there's a lot smaller number of people who actually are self-aware. Yes. But I bet you there's a good chunk of those people who might be self-aware, but they just can't take constructive criticism. It's possible. Absolutely. I see a lot yeah. of that, you yep. know, where it's like they kind of, they know that it's a problem, but they just keep pushing it off. Right. Like, I'm one of those types of people, you know, I have right. certain things. It's like, oh, no, that's not a problem. But then you think back on it, right. really reflect and Yep. It can be.
2: And I, I think of it from like a cavity in your tooth. It never, unless there's divine intervention, it doesn't go away. And yeah. that's how it is in business, right? If you have a problem today, you're probably going to have that problem in six months. It doesn't tend to go away because, again, you start to kind of walk with a limp. And before you know it, you just kind of accept the
0: fact that I walk with a limp. Mm-hmm. You got some good analogies. Well,
2: that's just because I, I try and make it like as easy as possible, right? Because mm-hmm. otherwise, people aren't going to do this. So my big question to people is if, if somebody says we have this problem in the office, I say, okay, it's either one of two things. Is it a broken leg that we can fix? Or is it polio that we have to live with? Because there are certain things that, you know what, we're just going to have to live with. And there's other things we can put other things in place to fix. So that's like one of the early questions in a coaching is somebody's identified a problem. And we're like, is this fixable? You know, because again, some things aren't. And we just have to kind of work through that, you know.
1: That's true. You can have to work around it and find the best, next best process, yeah. or whatever it may be. I mean, if you have
2: a husband and wife that
1: are working together, own a
2: company, but don't like each other, which you know, I mean, that's possible, yeah. right? I mean, so that's like, okay, what do we do with this? We we could spend forever trying to get you, guys, and they might love each other outside of work, but inside of work, they it ain't <laughs> happening, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, my gosh, let's just work with what we have. You know, why try and change somebody if they would just, you know, I hear that. Oh, they would just, you know, if he would just do this, if she would just do that, you know, and we invest so much time and I can only charge for my time in coaching. So I'm trying to tell people, Hey, I mean, we can sit here all day and talk about it if you want. I'd much rather come up with a solution. So let's find like a middle ground where we're able to have a win-win situation. So sure. Yeah. So,
1: so I'd love to, uh, dive a little bit more into for sure. you. Cause yeah. I think, you know, coaching is another word as well as mentoring, depending on the, sure. you know, what you are looking for, yep. right? Yep. So who was uh, a mentor for you kind of in your career and what do you think you've learned best or most wow. from
2: that? Holy cow. Nice. That's a great question. So my ex business partner who passed away in the last year, was a huge mentor for me because it seemed like everything he touched like something positive happened. Sure. You know so at first you think it's like a gift because I'm you know when it's I King started X. with him I was like 20. <laughs> I mean seriously I was with the guy for 28 years you know doing different things and, and I'm like my gosh the guy just looks at something and boom, million bucks. It's like, what the heck? You know, I look at it and there's like two quarters left, you know? So I really started to, at first, I I realized or emulated him from that perspective. But then as I got to invest more time, I realized that there are certain things that you do and certain ways that you are that really can build, you know, you can build positive things with. And I think one of the big, um, pieces that I learned is that people are way more important in your business than anything else. Mm -hmm. I mean, without it, there's a great book, people over profit, and there's tons of people that are, you know, like disagreeing with that. My, my, uh, my, my book, we came up with the theory that if you strengthen your team, and you improve your customers' experience, profit is automatic. Mm-hmm. It's just automatic. The so, yeah, result of that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. and and so it's like you know, right. I think of some of the bad places that I worked growing up, like in high school type things. I mean, I can say it now because they're not even in business. Shakey's Pizza. Oh my gosh, it was like awesome. But I tell you, it was a dictatorial type of situation. Mm-hmm. You know, I was it was in the seventies, late seventies, and it was like a a mile long of a line to get the job. It wasn't like today, like, you know, help wanted, help wanted, help wanted, help wanted, you have your choice. These were like jobs that it took a long time to get. And somebody got me the job. And I mean, it was awesome to get to work there, but you get this idea that there's like people at the top and they're just, you're on a rope. You're on these little, whatever those are, puppeteers, you know? And I realized that that's not what I wanted my leadership legacy to be so i tried to flip that around and try to put the people on the team first and that just is now bearing fruit in so many different ways in so many different companies especially today three percent unemployment right Mm -hmm. i mean you can pretty much go where you want and so you know couple of guys like you, I'm sure you're getting regular offers, young studs like you guys getting these regular offers. I mean, old guy like me, they're like, dude, get, you know, <laughs> it's so weird. You know, no one, it was when I sold my business, I was expecting like someone to call me and say, hey, I hear you're available. I mean, once you own a business, it's almost like no one wants you hmm. because they think you are so set in your ways or you're so successful, whatever their, whatever their blind spot is, it, they, they struggle with that. So that was my that was my mentor and I really got to sit and watch how things happened. There wasn't a lot of like sit down, I'm gonna teach you this. It was just watch, you know, it was it was kinda I, I enjoy learning by watching rather than by having somebody tell me what to do. That's so. all
0: dependent on the type of person that you are. You know, yeah, someone, Absolutely. Yep. I'm definitely like a hands on person. Yep. I can listen all day and sure. That helps somewhat. But yep. I just if I'm watching a video or whatever, I'm just literally following
2: exactly yep. what they're doing. So and that's in the coaching and in the in the speaking that I do nationally, we talk a lot about there's three ways that people learn. You either learn visually, you learn by hearing auditorily, or you learn kinesthetically. And it's really helpful to understand if your team, how they learn so that you can deliver your message that way. To your point, if I only delivered a verbal message to you, all my instruction to you was verbal, you would struggle with that. Absolutely. Right. And so, but that's so unique. I had a client that um, she, there was a lady in charge of some guys, and she would call them on the phone and just like shoot out these orders. Right. Well, they never got it. Because they were all visual people. Mm-hmm. So we do this VAK test. She finds out that she's auditory. She finds out they're visual. And within a week, everything changed. Because rather than just barking out the, or not barking in a bad way, but you know, sharing this list of things they need to do, she would either text it or email. Mm-hmm. Well, it went from 80% missing to 98%
1: it was successful just by how you deliver that message. Also goes back, though, to the people that you have working for you and yes. making sure that you can empower them in their position yeah, as absolutely. much as, you know, you are empowering in yours. Yes, right? absolutely. So I think that that's interesting and a big shift to your point now that we're seeing, especially with the high unemployment, because now companies, I think, are... Going back to their, um, or I guess maybe uh, backpedaling from the idea that millennials are job hoppers. Sure. Um, but now understanding that we just have the options, you kind of want, we need to want yeah. to stay. Yeah. Um. So I think they're starting to see that. And I think guys like Gary Vee or, uh, you know, other people yep. like you in, in your world are, sure. are kind of, Preaching that are sure. uh, are you seeing companies that are uh, being receptive to that? Or is it a little bit more harder of a push for the ones
2: that you're working with? Well, it's still a blind spot for me because I lasted twenty eight years at one company. So sure. I wear it sure. like a badge and some guys look at me like, What? Yeah. Twenty eight years you're nuts. I mean, yeah. were you forced into this? I mean, was this like a ball and chain? Were you in prison? I mean, you know, but I look back in my day, it was like a real honor. I was just at a convention in uh, Arizona in January, and they said that the average person now is gonna change their jobs 15 times in their career. Mm-hmm. Now if you take an average 45 year career from 20 to 65 just for easy math that means one every 36 months somebody's bailing.
1: Yeah. So he's on pace, there you go. <laughs> and so we
2: so uh, as a business owner and as a coach, I'm like, okay, when I because I've seen hundreds and hundreds of resumes And that's like one of the first things that we're trained to look at Mm -hmm. is when you see these job hoppers is what they're called, you know, you, the red flag goes up. And then when you sit across from them and they say, oh, that place sucked, this guy sucked, this was no good, you know, then it's like double red flag, right? Mm -hmm. And so then I get this mindset that everybody that job hops is no good. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not right. That's a bad place to be and so then you have to start thinking about if i'm going to only have you for 36 months how can i make it the best number one so maybe you won't leave
1: mm-hmm.
2: but even if you're going to leave let's maximize it for you let's maximize it for me so rather than thinking long term i used to you know i used to ask people where do you see yourself in 5 years and people are like dude i don't even know where i'm going to be in 5 minutes from now right yeah. career wise yep but if you don't have at least an idea, you know, that's where the struggle comes in. And if you don't, like, for people that don't set goals, there's, like, the vast majority, I think it was 85% of people don't set goals. And, or it was 83 And then of the remaining 17%, there's only 3% of them that write their goals down. Mm-hmm. So I would ask you, do you have written goals? Yeah, no, I do. Okay. Not. Right? Do you have, you know, so he does. And, and, and not that one's better or worse, but it's the interesting <laughs> thing is that he probably, you know, one person probably mm-hmm. is a lot more dialed in because he's got an idea where he wants to be. Mm-hmm. And not that, again, it's good or bad. Those are just pieces that I highly encourage people to sit with. But a lot of times it's hard to write those things down because things are fluid. I mean, your company could be bought, it could be sold. I mean, we were talking about companies today that went out of business. I mean, who would have thought Blockbuster or Kodak? I mean, some of these big Woolworths, some of these huge companies, who would have thought they'd be out of business? Mm -hmm. But yet, you know, I mean, to me, Sears and Kmart or JCPenney's are really down that slippery slope where, you know, if you're a big VP at Sears, you think you're set for life. Not anymore. The reality is not anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so there's just a lot of um, CEOs. I think that they understand that there's something going on. Mm-hmm. They just really are looking for somebody to help them
1: along that road, and that's where the
2: mentoring
1: and the coaching piece comes in. That's very. That's very interesting. And I was kind of thinking. I actually just had that thought the other day because I was. Uh, I had my one-on-one with a VP in my company. Just kind of that. I just chat with all once a month about stuff going on. And uh, we were talking about another uh, president in the company and uh, he was like, yeah, he was an ADP for like 20 years and got to do X, Y, and Z. He's like, that's one thing I would look back in my career. Like, I wish I would have stayed with one company longer. And sure. he's, uh, I think he's like in his mid to late thirties, probably. Okay. Um, Old guy, eh? Older. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just to put a timeline on that. So like, I was thinking about that because I'm kind of yeah. looking for the next five years of my career. Sure. Um, so it was very interesting. I, I hadn't actually thought about like, the staying at a company for twenty years, I just sure, never saw. Sure. Yeah, if the opportunity is there, I think it would be um, right. Yeah, um, but there is. It uh, was a question I was going to ask, which I may just have lost um, in my train of thoughts now. But um, I think it's gone. Do you have any questions? Meanwhile, comes, back at the ranch. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a long day, as, as you can tell. Oh, no
0: worries. No, I think that's so interesting. You know, we talk about all the time job hoppers, job hoppers. But yeah. I yep. think it all does start at where how well you're getting treated you know where they're exactly they're hitting your you know whatever it is that you find valuable you I know mean, everyone's right. different everyone finds different things mm-hmm. valuable money freedom whatever yep. it is and i think yep. a lot more people our age millennials are looking for that freedom you know right. being able to sure. work at home or from home in the sure. pajamas or whatever yep. it is absolutely. that's like one of the most valuable things nowadays yep absolutely um and some companies just aren't willing to change you know that's yeah. why yeah. blockbuster for example went on a
2: They're down to one. Isn't that crazy? They're down to one in Alaska. They have one left. Yeah, nuts. I mean, they have one. I think they started where they're at their peak. They had 9,000 different stores. That's insane. You know, so, but there's an old adage of that's the way we do things around here. I mean, Mm -hmm. those are like the worst words in Uh, business. Oh, my gosh. This is the way we've done it. This is the way we're always going to do it, you know. And I can just envision a bunch of people sitting around the, 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 the conference table in the uh, blockbuster, you know, room and, oh, we're fine. What Netflix, <laughs> ah, That's just, you know, that's like just a flash in the pan type of thing. Mailing you know? DVDs too. Yeah. yeah. And and when you look at who, who started Netflix, it was a guy that actually was like three, I forget his name, but in my trainings, I have his picture up there. And he was three or four days late on Apollo 13. And he was like and you guys are way too young for this but did you ever you never you went to blockbuster did you yeah i did oh my gosh oh, yeah. so how did you feel remember like i remember like about 8 30 at night and i'm like oh crap i gotta go return this or i'm gonna pay two bucks or three bucks right yeah i was Whatever. a kid yeah. i had to enjoy it okay <laughs> <laughs> there you go yeah, yeah. Parents, yeah. See, now, now the truth comes <laughs> out <on. laughs> your parents did that yeah. one. Oh, yeah. but i mean so there i'm sitting there 8 30 at night it's freezing cold out and I'm like oh my gosh it's three bucks you know I'm like ah big deal it's three bucks well then tomorrow is another three bucks mm-hmm. so for this guy three days I believe he was late and he's like you know there's got to be a better way and that birthed you know the, the company Netflix and so when you have when your whole business is built on hoping people don't you know have a good experience with you because i remember like five to nine i don't know if it was just me but man those their lock in the door mm-hmm. because they knew that they were trying to you know that was how they made their money was right. on late fees i mean God, what kind of company you know is no offense to anybody listening that for blockbuster <laughs> it's just not a real solid way to grow your
1: business that's true um
2: it is a weird question i did actually
1: all right huh? nice. um it was, it's around That'd our be a good generation. One. I, thought, I think it is. It right. Um, I'll decide if that it's all about that. One thing that I've personally struggled with as I think about my career goals is um, towing the line of being what I would, some people may consider entitled to being ambitious. Sure. So, and then our generation, that is a stereotype of us to, yeah. to be entitled to deserve a lot of different things. Sure. Sure. You know, what have you seen in working with, um, you know, some of your companies, different yeah. clients? Um, whether it is our generation, other generations, but um kind of what ambitious looks like compared to what entitled looks like. Sure. How you can tell people. Oh, absolutely.
2: That's no, a great question. So I look at it, I use different words just because it's me. I think of people that are very passive, you know, that just let everything happen to them. Sure. You know, I mean I always might I think there's three types of people. People that, you know, watch things happen, people that make things happen, and then people that don't know what's happening it's kind of three types of people right but there's so there's this passive group that they just kind of they show up and and it's probably a lot to do with their personality we do a ton of disc assessments and things like that with people but their personality is more laid back so it's more of a passive person the opposite then is the aggressive person right where they're in your face and they're just like you know totally just let's get this done. And mm-hmm. why, why are you not? Why are you still here? You know all that kind of stuff. And we, as a society, a lot of times are black and white. I mean, think about it: Democrat, Republican. You know, there's these different black and white type things, right? Well, there's this middle ground that I'm learning about, and this is actually assertive. Where I, I'm not passive. I'm not aggressive. I'm not rude. I'm not mean Mm -hmm. i'm just i'm assertive i know what i want Mm -hmm. and i want to have what i want and i'm going to ask for it but i'm going to ask for it in a way that's respectful sure you know it's kind of like you go to um you know back when before now everybody's customizing everything you couldn't go to mcdonald's and say hey i'd like a cheeseburger without a pickle on it they're like dude pick the pickle off yourself right but then burger king comes along and special orders don't upset us, right? Hold yeah. the pickles, hold the lettuce, way. right? Have it your way. Well, you know, that that changes everything. And so now if you want to be in that middle where you know what you want, there's certain places that they'll give that to you, and there's certain places that, you know, what? This is all you get. Take it or leave it. So, I don't know if it's as much of the words you were talking about the entitled versus the was the other one you used? Um, ambitious. Ambitious. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it can be it can be misconstrued as my gosh, that guy's kind of bold or brash or sure. aggressive. You know, you can have those, and a lot of it's personality. But the more that we understand that there are people that are like that, it's the how we deliver that message. And if I'm doing it in a respectful way, I think it's going to go a lot farther than if I just walk in and blow people over. Very true. You know, yeah. so, so that to me is how I look at it as I kind of am trying to find that middle. Mm-hmm. Because, I, you know, I, I taught junior achievement for some years in the local high school. And there were a ton of kids in my mind that had that entitlement. They thought they were entitled to stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that someone looked at me back and whenever and thought the same thing. So you know what? I'm fine with it because eventually, when it's not there, they're going to learn. Yeah. Unfortunately, sometimes you have to learn the hard way. Because I know when I was in my twenties, nobody could tell me anything. I knew everything, you know. And that was way before the internet, so it was like, man, I knew, I knew everything. My parents couldn't tell me anything. I'm an only child. I didn't have brothers or sisters. So <laughs> no one could tell me anything. And right? no one can fact check. <laughs> no, my gosh, you can't, <laughs> right? Because what I told you has got to be true, right? <laughs> yeah. And so there was nothing of that at all. And now I think that if you have the right attitude, you can be assertive. You can be you know, um, aggressive if you want. But a lot of it is how you present yourself. So, I, because, I don't know if that's, no, a, that's what you've seen or that's or It's thoughts.
1: applicable advice because it's, it's all, I don't know what I think it is, it's just it's entitlement I think is when you come in and, and let's just stick in the working world right? yeah. where we're talking, it's coming in and saying, oh, I should be a, a manager or whatever yeah. it is, right? Yeah. But that's being entitled and being aggressive. It's sure. being assertive to say, hey, you know, I have X, Y, and Z. I've shown, you know, A, B, and C. Yep. I should be a manager based on your parameters and yep. what I believe. Yep. Yep. You know, that's just the way you approach something. Absolutely. I think another thing too, and that one thing that I'm learning more and more, and I think we all will constantly learn is how to take constructive criticism, but also find the people who will give you the right constructive criticism sure. to yep. get you along those paths. Right. And I think, yep. you know, to your, in your business, that that's exactly what you're yeah. trying to do is be that right person right. to work with those individuals to get them where they want to go, whether
2: they know or not. Absolutely. I just have to find three to five things that they're doing right Before I can talk to them about something they're not doing right, do you find that that's true? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I again think of Giannis, okay, Mm -hmm. if you go, oh my gosh, dude, you know your drive is to the hoop is like unknown. It's Mm -hmm. everybody's trying to be like you, right? Mm -hmm. There's and you start going into the stuff that's positive. He's starting to feel comfortable. His wall is starting to come down a little bit. Mm -hmm. Now you say, hey, let's you know, let's talk about your free throws he's in a whole lot safer place because of the fact that we've gone through that positive piece. So I say to my team and my people, catch your team doing something right rather than try and catch them doing something wrong. Okay. Catch them doing something right. So that when you do need to make that correction, it's so much easier. Mm. I mean, if all the time it's just negative, 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 you know, if we would have did, How many people you think would be listening if we said, Hey, tonight we're going to talk about 10 ways to be more negative. (laughs) I mean, it just doesn't happen. Right. So, but yeah, that's what there's enough negativity going on that if I can find stuff that people are doing right, when we need to do the correction, you know, your constructive criticism piece, it's a whole lot
0: easier.
1: Yes. I would agree with you. I see, I thought, and this is something that like I thought about too, is like, because I thought, you know, I feel like you grew up and you heard the sandwich, the compliment sandwich or whatever, like you, you compliment somebody, sure. then, you it yep. then you compliment them again. Yep. But then I've also read that that's actually confusing for people because then they don't know if they're doing right or wrong sure. or what it is. So when you started that out, I was I was a little curious. What we yeah. know. But I think you're right, though, especially if it's an employee right of yours, like yep. creating a comfortable environment for them overall, Absolutely. which then allows them to be able to understand like when they get constructive criticism, they're not fear of being fired right. or like they think they're going to lose their job or yep, whatever it may be. Maybe. And that they can take that and work with that. I mean,
2: it's and, okay to mess up. Yeah. And if you don't know that, then
1: you're always on
2: edge yeah. and you're really not doing your best work because you're so deathly afraid of
1: that. Or right. second guessing. Second guessing. And then
2: third guessing. I mean, and then nothing's getting done. Right. So, so I, I have a Harley and I love to ride in the summer and it's, it always happens where I'm, out in the middle of nowhere, and I'm going 55 on my bike, and not a care in the world. And I look up ahead, and I see a 25 mile an hour speed limit sign. As I'm coming into one of these little small towns, mm-hmm. what's always right behind there? A cop, a cop, right? Yeah. Never once has that guy pulled me over and said, "Sir, I just want to thank you for doing the speed limit." Right? <laughs> he never does that. She never does that. We're in. It just happened on the way here. Oddly enough, so, you know, there was a cop hiding. And he pulled over a guy right in front of me because the guy just zoomed on by. I said, dude, you're busted. Sure enough, lit him up and he's done. I mean, they're looking for people to do something wrong. Mm -hmm. That's their job. Our job as leaders should not be looking for something going wrong in our company. There's enough negative stuff the way it is. So when I see somebody doing something right, I'm I'm going out of my way. And the research shows if you're not getting that every week from a leader, that you will start to wane in your engagement at work. Mm -hmm. So you know, I would put that on you. When's you know, think about it. The last time somebody came up and said, "Dude, this is awesome, great job," Mm -hmm. man, I tell you what, you were walking around on the clouds that day, right? Mm -hmm. Why would we? It's free. Why would we not do that? Now, don't be fake about it, but authentically finding that kind of stuff to talk about on a regular basis with your team, it just, they naturally want to be engaged. Yeah. So that's, to me, is where I where I focus. So if I have to be constructive, I want to start with, you know, some real positive,
1: real stuff. And I, I would so. totally agree. I mean, I've found the same, um, I mean, recently switched, positions within my company, okay. and I'm from a manager. Um, <clears throat> there's a little bit more negative, so now one that I, I feel a lot more engaged with, I yeah. would just completely agree sure. with that. Um, but I would love to just talk about one thing, and yeah. that is growing on purpose. That yeah. is a very, love the term. Sure. I think it, it, growing is very vague, and it's kind of like, oh yeah, you're growing, but are you sure. growing where you want? Right. and I. Curious, to ask this question for you because I'm curious to when do you get to this point. But um, growing on purpose, one, I would love like to just get your synopsis on what that means sure. in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, when companies start to get to the point of hiring, where you see that happen? Mm-hmm. And then, how do you help make that transition? Because I imagine you guys will get there in a couple of years if you're not already there, where you're hiring people. So, yeah.
2: So there's some coaching. I mean. Well, the <laughs> growing on purpose piece again. There's so many people that grow by mistake. I mean, they just think about this. So the statistics from Gallup show that if you have 10 people on your team, and then I envision 10 people on a canoe, only three out of those 10 people show up every day engaged in their job. They wanna push the company forward and they wanna move themselves forward as well. So out of 10 people in a canoe, there's only three that are rowing, mm-hmm. okay? Three, five of them got their arms crossed like this in the middle. They're going, man, that ain't my job. I'm here to do as little as I possibly can. They're like super proud to say, I didn't have to work hardly at all today.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? There's, those, there's five of ten people that are like that. Then there's the last two that they're standing on the boat and they're literally waiting to jump. Because they're like, oh my gosh, this place sucks. And now they want to take people with them. It's not enough to sit here like this and say, it's not my job. Now I got to start going, dude, this place, we got to get out of here. Do you believe they want me here at eight? And I got to stay till five. (laughs) I mean, you know, so my focus is those middle people, those five people, If we teach them how to roll, You know, that's the key is finding that when you're talking about growing on purpose, all I want to do is get those people to start rolling. Doing something. I don't care necessarily what it is at the beginning. You're going to be so clumsy with a, with a paddle. I don't care. You're going to get the guy behind you soaked. You're going to probably drop it a few times, especially if you've never used it before. But the reality is, is as you grow your business, you're, you're going to start to see gaps in what we're missing. And usually what I see is somebody's like, they might be contracting out something. Like, do you contract anything out right now? Yep. Okay. So whatever that is, eventually that might grow into part of a position where, you know, there's a girl Friday or a guy Friday where, you know, they're just kind of the jack of all trades. Sure. But it, it, the growth part of it is, you know, if, if someone asks you in three years from now, do you, where, where do you see your sales? Where do you see your team? You know, where do you see your um, footprint? I mean, there's some questions that you ask. And based on, a lot of people are like, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't thought of that. I'm too busy, you know, working in the business. Mm -hmm. So that's where you try and get somebody to spend a little bit of time working on the business. So that they're able to look up enough and go, yeah, you know what? In three, I'm, I'm in the right direction. I'm going the right way. I mean, so let me ask it this way. Do you have a business plan for your business, a written business
0: plan? Written business plan, no. Okay. So that's the prime place to start. Yeah, because isn't that similar to writing your goals down? Yeah, absolutely. And it's something we've had when we first started. And we do have sort of a business plan, but it's not like a written down. I mean, it's written down, but it's more just like bullet points. Okay. Actually explain like a real business plan. Sure. So it's...
1: Well, business plan summary.
0: Yeah,
2: so it's oh, kind of like if you oh, need, if you're if you're going on vacation and you wanted to end up in San Diego, it's a great place, right? My parents lived there. You I just, just was there I was just there over the weekend. Nice. So I mean, I love being out there. But the funny thing is, is if I just get in my car and think I can head west on ninety four, I probably not ended up in San Diego. Yeah, I mean, I have to be very uh, particular. Very, you know systematic about this, very engaged in where I'm going. And so the more that you can add, you know, um, like your bullet point might be your first bullet point might be Madison because I'm going to end up in Madison, Mm -hmm. how I get to Madison is, was usually only one way. Well now from Madison, let's say my next one is Dubuque, Iowa. There's like three or four ways to go. And the farther you get, if we're our bullet points only get us so far. And it's not that it's bad, it's just the more that the more guts you have, so to speak, on the skeleton, the more meat you have to your plan, the less that you have to stop midway and go, where do we go from here? Because mm-hmm. it's kind of already mapped out. Now you can totally change them as you go because they are, they should be a living document.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't want you to be like, oh my gosh, we can't do that because the plan says not to. But it does help you
1: get from point A to point B.
2: So you've been to San Diego?
1: Nope.
0: I have not. He oh, was just there. Okay.
2: So you flew? hmm So Milwaukee to where? It's
0: straight to San Diego. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Direct right. flight? Was it from you? Milwaukee? Yeah. Milwaukee, San Diego. Congratulations. Yeah. That's rare. What flight, What airline? It was well, listen, either Delta or United. Okay. Nice. On the way back, we had a stop Okay, in Minnesota.
2: Minneapolis, Minneapolis Southern been Delta. So the cool thing is, is that if you start out in San Diego or Milwaukee and you're heading towards San Diego on an airplane, and let's say the um, this uh, pilot goes, you know what? We're gonna dial this up. We're gonna change our course by four degrees. Four degrees, big deal, right? You end up in LA, which is like a painful two and a half hour drive, right? Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about coaching, a lot of times it's just little course corrections. It's not huge, like fundamental shifts. So like for you, you have bullet points. We would probably look at those and go, hey, let's just flush those out a little bit. And they're just small little course corrections. That's usually the vast majority of coaching. Because again, go back to Giannis. He doesn't need to like overhaul his free throw. To your point, he just needs to add a little arc, mm-hmm. which is a small course correction.
1: Right.
2: That's what usually happens in with most businesses. Because they're usually like, in, unless, and I've run into some that are so far gone that there's nothing you can do. I mean, rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic doesn't really help <laughs> much, right? But there are certain companies that are like that. The vast majority of companies, they just need a little course correction. So, there
1: you go. That makes sense to me. And a nice little tactical view of kind of what it looks like, you know, especially with yeah. businesses that are there. And it's nice to have a third party come in and take a look at it. it I oh my gosh!
2: Well, again, just like the coach. I don't know why or Tiger Woods. You pick your favorite, you know, athlete. Mm-hmm. Why they needed a coach?
0: Yeah.
2: What could someone possibly tell Tiger Woods? But you know what? The guy's got a coach and his, even his caddy at times, I'm sure is, you know, chirping in his ear about certain things, Sure. what to say, and what, you know, what, how to swing or whatever. But if, if they need a coach, chances are business owners need one as well. Now, maybe monthly, maybe quarterly. I have some people I meet weekly. I have some people I meet monthly, some quarterly, some it's like as needed, but it's just the fact that they have a check-in point. Because it's really, at the end of the day, this is the cat out of the bag. It's really all about accountability. Mm-hmm. Very much so. All that it is. Your plan is 100% fine how it is. The question is, who's holding you guys accountable for those benchmarks? Because if you want to be by the end of the first quarter, you want to be here, and you're not there, who's holding you accountable? And that's the biggest drawback of entrepreneurs, is nobody holds them accountable. hmm and so I will get it next month. Well, the problem is, is that you can't go to the bank and say, you know what, I'll catch you guys next month. Right? <laughs> it
1: just doesn't work.
2: We've been figuring out. I've been figuring out. You guys know how to do it. Let me know. But, but
1: no, guy, okay. um, no. I mean, Hank Haney was there for a reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did read his book. It's very interesting, and a lot of it was strategy. anything about it, and Hank Haney was uh, Tiger with his swing coach. Okay, during his period of the great and all that other stuff. And he really just did work on uh, his book. It's called The Big Miss, okay. and it was all about managing your misses because he knew, like Tiger Woods, obviously is a, a, almost a, a perfect swing at yeah. certain points, yeah. um, in his career. But uh, it was very interesting. Was reading about that. Cool. Um, so those are a lot of my questions. So I, I mean, I've been taking up a lot of. I mean, what,
0: no, did just, you have anything that you wanted to add? I have asked what I want to, and we're about that time where we can start writing Sure, sweet. Um, we Please got to plug in. everything
1: because I want to make sure. So, Growing no, no, on Purpose no. is the book. We've got to ask a couple. Oh, you're oh, right. oh, to all right. Here we go. Now, wait a minute. Here we go. Oh, yeah. My agent didn't tell me there was going
2: to be uh, this involved. So That's fire. right. Fire the door away. is locked, so that you can right. get in. Well, fire away. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> My car's gone, probably, too. No big deal. So, I'll Uber home. So go ahead. We're uh, really only one question we have yeah. to ask with you is uh, so you could give yourself, you know, younger Dave advice, sure. maybe 20-year-old Dave, who sure. just dropped out of college. Yep. Uh, well, what would you what advice would you give yourself?
2: The biggest advice is really to find somebody that will come alongside you and help you and li- and then listen to the advice. Because I did have people, I mean, my dad probably was my biggest influence outside of my business partner, but he would tell me stuff and, you know, I don't, you don't listen to your dad, right? He doesn't, the guy's like ancient in your mind, you know, he's 40 and you're 20 and it's like, oh my (laughs) gosh, the guy's like one step out of the grave in your mind. Right. But I, if I could go back, I would want somebody to come alongside me and really help navigate, you know, not do it for me because I think going through it was really key to success. But being able to at least bounce things off of like, and at times probably throw a life a life raft or a life preserver out to people because I, I applaud you for doing your own business. That's awesome. Where do you go? You know, flip it around to you. Where do you go when you're like stuck?
0: Luckily, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. There you go. So awesome. I have resources that are there. Good. I also have people that, you know, I just trust their opinions Good. who I go to. And yep. Luckily, yep. I have a business partner who him and I talk through sure. a lot of stuff to, we do a lot of business cool. planning with each other. So.
2: And that's so rare. That right there is really rare. Number one, it's rare to have entrepreneurs in your family a lot of times. Number two, it's rare to have that heart where you're open to what they say. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times we want to do it better, faster, quicker than our parents. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know what, that, that, may, have, that may have worked back then. Yeah, it, it, I'm totally different than you, dad, Mom, mm-hmm. brother, sister, uncle, you know, weird nephew, whatever. But it's like, I, you know what, what you talk about doesn't apply here. I mean, I said that to my dad so many mm-hmm. times and I regret that saying. This doesn't, you don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, okay. And then you fast forward the tape, I'm like, oh, my gosh, he was dialed right in. (laughs) So that's, you know, if you have younger listeners listening, that's probably my biggest advice is find somebody, a mentor, find an accountability partner. I don't care what you call it. Find somebody that you feel confident to your point that you trust and that will, you know, is able to say, hey, you might be going down the wrong road. And then when someone says that, what's our immediate thing? No, we're not. You think I'm bad, you're way worse. I mean, we do that in marriage all the time. If you know, if somebody says one thing, we gotta outdo them, right? Or grow, you know, in a relationship, whatever, we have that. So that's that self-awareness. That boy, if I had that self-awareness at 20, I mean, embarrassing. Like I can say I've made people like, I remember at being at an event, I made somebody cry because of my inability to be empathetic with them. Mm. Stupid things you say in your 20s and 30s. I mean, oh my gosh, if somebody would have just came up and pounded me in that just knocked me out, you know? (laughs) Just get it (laughs) over with, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Just get it over with, so...
1: I know that feeling very well. I mean, I think that's good professional advice as well as personal. I yeah. Mean, I think because um, a lot of times we lose sight of where you're going personally, professionally, whatever it may be. Yeah. So having somebody to go to, whether it's a friend, like, hey, I don't know what to do about X, Y, and Z. Yeah. You know, whether it's a family member, friend, whoever it is. And yeah. Like, in your professional career, um, you know, you're not the first person to say that that we've had on this podcast. Sure. And that's something that I think is very valuable. So, like, if you are listening to, and you just listen to this one, don't take that advice seriously. It's something that I've actually made more of a conscious effort to do. It's actually my professional career because there are so many people that you can work with or meet right. that have either different um, opinions so, or had different experiences sure. that can um, all offer you great advice or, or great views on things. So, and I would think
2: in a big company that you're in, you probably have more access to those types of things. Yeah, videos. I
1: try. I and mean, I'm trying to take advantage of that as of yeah. right now, actually. So, That's yeah. That's awesome. Trying cool. cool. to, anyway. Yeah. Eric,
0: unfortunately. It's just you and Kevin. Well, that was when I worked at Baird. I worked at Baird for a little over a year. Okay. And I the team that I worked for, like I learned so much from those financial advisors that I was under. Like yeah. I respect the hell out of every sure. single one of them. And I wish I still had some of those to go back to and ask specific questions. Yep. Yeah. But luckily enough, the the head guy, the head financial advisor on the team, the one who founded it, started it, um, he was a part of I was a part of a gym, the Milwaukee Athletic Club. Okay, and he—I used to see him really frequently like after I quit. And he was first of all—I think we talked about this. Yeah. So when I quit, I was expecting him to just like freak out. He's the type of guy who you just don't know exactly how he's going to react. to things. Sure, sure. Um, and he took it really well. You know, he Good. was really happy for me. Sure. He, I was just thrown by that, but then yeah. I'd end up seeing him, you know, a lot at the gym, and he would always check in. Like, Good. To kind of awesome check in with me, ask me how things are going. He's like, oh, no, no, you need to be doing it this way. Right, Giving that advice that I wasn't asking for, but honestly, like, I sure. appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever reached out to him since? No. Have he's not- a tough guy to get a hold of. Got it. And it sounds like an excuse
2: to me, doesn't it? I actually, it is is. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I haven't reached out to him in yeah. over a year, so it's a... That's all right, I'm sure he's hey, listening. He's I'm sure he's yeah. listening. So yeah, good Mr. job. Mr. Klein. <laughs> nice job, Mr. Klein. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, and I've had people that have come up to me after whatever years and say, you know, some of the things that you helped me with, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for some of the things that you said or did or whatever. And that's really like gratifying. Oh, I yeah. imagine I mean, that's way better than a check. That's way better than anything for me personally that mm-hmm. somebody could do. So so that, that I enjoy that part, you know, when you get that unsolicited, you know, feedback like that. So, and that's the bummer as we go all the way back to social media, you know, you can ask people to give you recommendations and it's like, you know, okay, I guess, but I'd much like, i much prefer the ones that are totally unsolicited. Yes, or the yeah. person who goes, hey, if you ever need something, if you, I would give you yeah. a reference right now, like, right, you know, Yeah, yeah those, kind, those make you feel good. Yeah,
1: for sure, cool. Um, okay, so yeah, do you want, I think, I do have a question for you. Okay, If you could go back and, Knowing what you know now, I mean, obviously you did everything right because you're here today and you're, you're doing great. But would you go back and would you have gone through college altogether? And maybe if you were kind of growing up in today's age, would sure. you go through college? Well, so
2: yeah, it's funny because so I, I'm still to this day, I'm 56 years old and I still wrestle with the there's these self-limiting thoughts. I'm working on this in my mind that there's thoughts that limit me from where, from things that I want to do. So I think back and it was 82, 83, 84. And I was like, I had no clue what I wanted to do. And you know, it was a whopping $1,500 a year or a semester at UWM. It's a little more now, I, you know, <laughs> and my parents said, I'll pick up half, you pick up the other half, you know, and I just, I, I lasted a year and I'm like, i just i don't know what to do i mean i took all the fun courses water aquatics racquetball <laughs> bowling you know i took all you know thunderstorms hurricanes and whatever you know i took all the fun stuff and i'm like i have no clue none of this brought clarity to me yeah so looking back i would have probably just purely for the psychological piece i would have wanted to finish because it it's still Eats at me back here. Mm. So when I go to like speak somewhere and I submit my information to speak, that's like one of the first things. I'm like, oh my gosh, look at, I'm competing with a guy that's got a master's or a PhD, and here's me. You know, I tell myself, and I I barely graduated high school. And so that's a mental game. So Mm. mentally, that's what I struggle with is that those self limiting thoughts. So part of how I a combat of that is by getting certifications along the way to kind of work through that. Sure. So that's what's worked for me because, I mean, I have a guy that's uh, that I know, he, he was a history teacher. He's got a history degree and he sells insurance.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, and it's like he's, and my kid, my kid's got a, a degree in calculus. He's got a master's in international business and he's really not using either one now. He loves what he does, which is awesome. I see more and more people that got this piece of paper. And, you know, what do you do with it? So I, there's kind of two, you know, I, I wouldn't want a piece of paper that what that I wouldn't want to use, that it didn't use. Mm-hmm. But yet that piece of paper in my mind has limited me. And I know it's in my mind. It's not real, but it's real for me because it's limited me. Mm, yeah. so that's where if you're listening and you're on the fence about it find somebody that you can talk to that will be able to give you kind of the pros and cons of it because you know, i don't want my kids still paying off his college you know mm-hmm. it's like what the heck you know i mean i, I, I it's got to be painful it is. You know? I yeah, mean, if anybody it, wants it, they can have
1: it. Oh, you're, you're what? You're, I'm still paying. I'm still okay. paying. Well, trade me. I'll
2: take your degree and <laughs> I'll take your debt. How about that? <laughs> right? Is it. that fair? Five. Yeah. <laughs> done, <laughs> right? But I mean, that's so, it didn't limit me um, in my profession. It didn't limit me there. It limited me in my head, which mm. is a huge... I'd much rather it limited me in my profession. I mean, today I don't apply for jobs. I haven't applied for jobs since what 1980 something. But oddly enough, from the things that I see, people say that, hey, don't even apply if you don't have a, a degree. Mm-hmm. Well, I I don't buy into that because if I have a degree in biology, what does that do for me? Yeah. And again, no offense to that person. It's just that it's a piece of paper and a hundred thousand dollar debt number. I have or whatever the number is right mm-hmm. so i just think that it's it's self-limited me in my mind and that's where it messed with me the most so i mean
1: my my train of thought and this is something my grandfather told me was just like never um never close the door never limit your options sure so like yeah like to your point if you're in college and you don't know if you want to quit just finish it because yeah. it's never gonna sure. hurt yeah. you yeah i mean you, yep. know, you may have some debt but you right. can work through that right in whatever way it takes for you but like I mean, I always do things, and like, I, I teach a class at Waukesha Accounting Technical College, not okay, because I need cool. the money, but because, sure. hey, I have the free time right now, yeah. I can do it. What do you teach? I teach Intro to Accounting, the non-accounting students. Oh, wow. So that's my Wednesday night uh, for the semester. Yeah. Wow. Nice. It's, 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 it's uh, sometimes a challenge, um, but fun. Not accounting for non-accounting professionals? Yeah. So it's a prerequisite for culinary and hospitality majors to graduate. Okay. That's like kind of pregnant. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs>
2: yeah. Basically. wow okay that's kind yeah. of nice Interesting. It's, 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 I it's, hate the coning but I gotta
1: take the dang I project. gotta take it yeah and it's, it's cool it's uh it's very challenging sometimes but uh it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't, I don't need the money. I'm not, you know, but like, it's, it's a great experience. Sure. It's something I can lean on and leverage if I ever know. When I'm applying for a job where you manage people without technically managing people experience. Sure. It's, yep. it's a lot of different things. So I think uh, that's always my piece of advice is sure. Sure. never remember really the options if you can, yeah. you know.
2: I tried to go back. It was funny because I did take some credit courses and they found my manuscripts back from the 1800s. And it was odd because I'm like, I've been in business for the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. You know, I, we could write some of this stuff. I'm like, does any of this give me any credits at all? And they're like, yeah, I'm really sorry. No, (laughs) I'm just like, oh my gosh, really? I mean, I can, I can teach this stuff. I do teach this stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're like, I'm sorry. There's not much we can do. So that's obviously an awkward situation, but. It is a mental thing, so if you do struggle with it mentally, to your point, then just finish it, Yeah, you know. I mean, it's not like it's going to be a bad thing, it just, I find more and more people that have their degree in something, and they're nowhere close to where they are, you know, where their degree and where their, um, you know, career
1: path ended are not in anywhere close to each other. And that was some of the piece of advice I got when I was in high school, actually. So I've been a caddy for 13 years at Blue Mountain Gulf Country Club. Okay, sure. Um, and, you know, you, I talk to people and I was telling them, oh, I think I'm going to major in accounting. You know, they're like, yeah, I mean, I majored in finance and now I do X, Y, and Z. And yeah, like, it yeah. doesn't necessarily matter. You have the ability to take your career where you want. Right. And I think a lot of it comes through networking. And if you mm-hmm. are one of those people that are personal. You're able to learn and um, you're able to pick up things like that and you enjoy it. You're more than likely able to do whatever you want. I mean, absolutely. Sacrifices maybe needed to happen because it may be a a lower paying career like anything else, but the hardest um, part is finding what you're passionate about. Yeah, very much so.
2: You know, so that's usually, so we have assessments that help people with that because, you know, you ask somebody, what do you want to be when you grow up, right? I mean, gosh, (laughs) and so, so <laughs> man, I do. Finally, I just, i just achieved growth. You, you know, I mean, I love to teach. I just, I mean, like today I'd be in, you know, with 50 kids in a classroom is like, man, I just looking forward to it forever, you know? And, and, and then they get paid for it. It like, man, this is really even more fun. And, and then when someone comes up and says, great job, I got a question about, I mean, then I'm like, man, this is yeah. like, that's like the ultimate, you know? Um, and there's kids that just, you know, bamboos, and, which is fine. You know, they're there for their extra credit. They're 50 minutes of whatever, and they're gone, which is totally fine. I just, I, I, I enjoy that piece. So I know finally after 40 some years of being, you know, in business and in life in general, I know what I want to do. There you go. Which again, there are Maybe plenty of people that. that don't Maybe. ever find that. Yeah. And that's, that's got, I don't even know how
1: that would feel. You find passion in other things, I imagine, right?
2: But, you know, think about, I mean, I just think about my, my. my you know, I didn't want to say it. I just think about people in general that may sit at a machine all day and just kind of, you know, and it, is that what they want to do? Are they really, you know, fulfilled? and Or is it the paycheck? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I ask, usually I ask people what motivates you. And I'll never forget a guy who told me his mortgage, I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, man, I live to pay my house off. I'm like, what kind of miserable existence is that? Sell your house, go buy an island somewhere, go, I don't care, you know, but that just, and maybe that works for him and I didn't see anything. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. But now looking back, it's like, man, that's, you know, for me, I could never do that. If it got to that point, then, you know, just pull the plug on me. Maybe he meant financial independence. Then say financial independence, right? (laughs) Don't say say your mortgage, right? (laughs) You know, whatever, yeah. So, But, yeah, just, you know, I I just, for me personally, if you can find what it is that you're passionate about doing, Mm -hmm. because that's a question that I ask in coaching. If money wasn't an option, if you had all the money that you needed and you'd never have to worry about money, what would you do with your day? Yeah. And all of a sudden people, you know, they never are, we don't allow ourselves to think that way right because i you know i would be doing what i would doing now the differences is, is i would be in san diego doing it there you go so i don't have to you know deal with this you know snow and all this stuff but that's the only difference the the, the actual work is exactly what i'd be doing but
1: just in a different location so
2: Nice. So we should do a GoFundMe page for Dave Melinda <laughs> <laughs> to go to San
1: Diego. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so. Nice. Um, yeah. Where can people find you if they wanted sure. to uh, buy the book one yeah. or if they wanted to reach out?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So our website's positive all one word, which is awesome. Easy. Um, and then on there's, you can buy the book there or, um, just, um, Reach out to me there. My all my information is on there as well. So perfect. Super easy to get a hold of. Not you know I, I don't have any um, gatekeepers. I'm the gatekeeper. So there <laughs> yeah. But I tell you now. I don't know about you guys, but man, I'm getting spam on my phone like. Oh, easy yeah. oh my gosh so if you're listening thank you for all
0: the spam i really appreciate it <laughs> nice <laughs>
1: um yeah
0: so appreciate you coming yes this absolutely was a great conversation.
1: It. absolutely um you can find me on twitter it's our most active at Jacubitz at j-a-k-u-b-i-c-z uh andrew Jakubitz. everywhere else on social media so connect follow whatever it is um hit the button eric you can just find me by searching Eric Hess. There you go. He's giving it up yeah. at Eric underscore wow. 22 Eric on Instagram. Um, and then the podcast is Casual Money Podcast on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, uh, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you guys are listening to this. Please tell your friends because that's the best way.
2: Sure. Please see all the different places you guys see.
1: You yes, ask an old guy like me,
2: and I'm all happy I got a website. You guys are this <laughs> and that, and I don't know anything. We have a website, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah he it's built still it. Up. Yeah. It's still there you go. It's Now he's got to look just yeah.
0: to
1: make sure. I'm sure. it's there. Boom. There you Boom. go. Check it out. Uh, that's Eric's work. If you ever want to know what it looks like, he built the website. Sweet. Um, so thank you again for listening. Uh, please share us with your friends. If you are on iTunes, give us as many stars as you think we're worth, and maybe
0: a comment. It'll help us out in a long run. So appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. you. Absolutely.